And welcome to another edition of Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom, and coming up on the show, we're going to talk about something that tends to get back into the mainstream of pop culture, news, politics every once in a while. Then it will disappear, then it will come back, then it will disappear, then it will come back. And it's a it's an issue that I guess you could say started back in the 1980s, 1990s, and that's really when it became popularized as far as a term goes. And so we're going to explore the topic of toxic masculinity. What does that mean? What does it look like? Now, when you take a look at something such as toxic masculinity, I guess the first thing you have to do is try to define it, right? And it's interesting, as I did some research, and I've got some audio that I want to play that I think pretty much sets the table for what people think and what people believe. But it's interesting that when you have these hot-button issues, let's take for a moment white privilege. Remember when white privilege, haven't really heard about white privilege in a while. It's kind of gone to the back burner of the mainstream as far as pop culture and talking points. We've got other things to worry about right now. But when we looked at white privilege on the show, basically it started or was popularized, I guess you can say, in 1988 by Peggy McIntosh, who wrote a book about it when she took a look at herself. And to herself, I guess, thought she had some revelation about the advantages that she had compared to maybe other people. And so she wrote this book, and it became the, the basis for the modern-day version of what white privilege is and how white people basically have all the advantages in the world and the rest of the world, the rest of the population doesn't. And when we looked at that issue, again, looked at the definition. There was a definition according to Peggy McIntosh. But then other people, when you talk about it, they really didn't have an idea of what it was. There was no set standard. There was no set rules. There was no set definition, no set character traits. It was just could be whatever. You're white, therefore, whatever. And anytime you question something, you were wrong. Just like Black Lives Matter. When you said all lives matter, you were wrong. Had to be Black Lives Matter. It has to have these certain talking points in order for it to be effective and in order for it to, I guess, be its thing, right? And if you speak out against it, then you are somebody who is outcast on the outside you're the bad guy you know quick example okay so as a white male there's a lot of things that supposedly i'm not supposed to talk about i'm not supposed to talk about race relations because i'm a white guy i'm not supposed to talk about reproductive things because i'm a man and i don't have a uterus and it goes on and on right apparently i can't talk about white privilege even though i'm white so when this whole thing came up with at the Oscars with the slap, you know, when Will Smith was out there trying to uh, defend his wife. And it came out that Jada Pinkett Smith has hair loss, right? She has propecia, and so she can't grow her hair. And so one of the things that I should be able to speak on is hair loss. I'm someone that can't grow a full head of hair. That's uh, why I wear a lot of hats. Not because I'm embarrassed by it, because I'm outside a lot. And skin cancer, obviously, is something that I want to protect myself from. So thus, I got into a habit of wearing hats. I used to coach baseball. And so I was outside all the time. So hats just became a part of my wardrobe. So I wear a lot of hats. 
And uh, if you watch the show, you've probably seen many different hats that I wear, and I've got a whole lot, probably enough to wear one a day for three months without repeating. Kind of like the Imelda Marcos of shoes, um, the Imelda Marcos of hats. But so hats became a part of it. And so I joking. And so then when this whole thing happened, a lot of things came out about the Propecia and the hair loss. And one of the things that came out of this was the fact that apparently Jada Pinkett Smith was suffering a disability, which was hair loss. So jokingly, I posted something on social media saying that if disability or if hair loss is a disability, where do I sign up for disability benefits? Because again, I suffer from hair loss. And so uh, obviously it was meant to be a joke. People that know me for a long time know my uh, sense of humor, my wit. And so people started to to post. You know, other guys started jumping. Yeah, me too. I want to know. I want to jump to the front of the line. And it became kind of like a fun thing. And then, of course, someone wanted to challenge me on it and said that, you know, as, as uh, you should not make fun of somebody else's as hair loss. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. I suffer from hair loss. Therefore, if anyone should be able to talk is me. And the person challenging me had a full set of long hair. And I thought it was odd. So the person or the people out there telling me that I can't talk about white privilege because I'm white, I can't talk about reproductive issues because I'm a man and I don't have a uterus, I can't talk about Black Lives Matter and racial things because I'm white. These people with a full head of hair are now telling me, as someone who can't grow a full head of hair, that I can't talk about hair loss issues because, and then there was no reason. Well, why can't I talk about it? And there was no reason. Oh, because I'm a man and she's a black woman. And it goes back to things like that. So anyways, the point of that whole thing is that oftentimes when we talk about things, there's no set definition, no set character traits, no set boundaries or identity. It just becomes anything that anybody wants it to be. And so when you take a look at toxic masculinity, there are certain definitions and certain things that people throw in there. And it could vary. It could evolve depending on I guess back in the 1980s and 90s when originally the modern-day toxic masculinity set in through today. And so one of the things that I like to do is find these man-on-the-street videos where somebody will go to the people and ask them a question and then get their response. And so somebody did that with toxic masculinity. They went to, I believe it was Georgetown University, and they first asked if toxic masculinity was a problem. And then they followed up with, What do you think or can you define toxic masculinity? And so I want to start off by setting the table on our topic of conversation with this clip and see where you fit in when you hear some of these answers and some of the conversation that goes on. So toxic masculinity as defined by people on the street in this clip. How would you define toxic masculinity as a term in your own words? Toxic masculinity, I would define as There isn't a sort of logic to it. I feel like it's more just strutting your stuff and being manly beyond there being a point to be. I don't really know. The idea that men have to be a certain way, you know, dominant or dominant, physically imposing and all, and to the extent where And these constructs are not necessarily conducive to building strong relationships between different members and communities. Mm-hmm. Toxic masculinity could be like really anything, um, anything that like puts 
men over f- females? Um, I guess maybe I would say just guys being expected to behave a certain way. And- Ooh, that's a tough question. I would say maybe the persistent reinforcement that like being a man means a certain thing. Um, I guess just kind of the societal ideas of what it means to be masculine has kind of um it's kind of become something so large that it's become very toxic the idea that you have to conform to traditional notions of what it means to be a man if you had to draw the line somewhere between what's toxic masculinity and what's just normal masculinity how would you do that like i don't know like i think it's a very gray line like not one you would be able to easily distinguish um wow that's a hard question if someone is you know feels like they can't cry or feels like they can't be open and emotional where do you think the line has drawn between toxic masculinity and just regular male behavior that's a tough one um i'd say when it goes against probably one what people might say about you is the main drive in you acting that sort of way. I feel like that is probably when toxic masculinity comes into play. Maybe you draw the line at a place where somebody feels that just because of masculine norms they have to act a certain way and they're uncomfortable with that. Once it becomes psychologically or mentally damaging to the individual, um, you know, once they feel so under pressure that, you know, their mental health gets disturbed or something like that, then I think that's where the line might be drawn. So the first part of the question was, can you define toxic masculinity? And a lot of them couldn't. They tried to come up with a definition or something. And then the second was, where do you draw the line? And they couldn't do that either. So people can't define exactly what toxic masculinity is. Now, what I wasn't able to play because it's just too long was in the very beginning of this clip was the lady out there asking these same people if toxic masculinity was a big problem, and they all unilaterally said, yes, it's a big problem, we need to deal with it. Then she followed up with these questions that you heard, and they couldn't define it. So they said that, yes, it's a problem, we need to deal with it, but then there's no definition of what we're dealing with or trying to do, but then... You can't even draw the line between regular or normal behavior and toxic behavior. So one of the things that was mentioned was men are dominant. Apparently being dominant is toxic. Now, if there's a dominant woman, is there toxic femininity? Or are we just talking men? Because women can be dominant. Women can be strong women. But apparently for men, it's toxic if you're dominant. Physically imposing. Not sure what that means. Maybe if you work out and you've got a physique, which apparently a lot of women like, right? Six packs, muscles, that whole thing, dad's bods versus whatever, the workout bod, I don't know. But physical imposing. Anything that puts men over women. Guys behaving in a certain way, although we don't know what that certain way is. Being a man equals certain things. It's so large, this problem is so large that it became toxic. And then conforming to traditional male roles makes it toxic. And then, of course, when you draw the line between the two, 
one of the things was you can't cry. Like men don't share emotions. So apparently that's toxic if you don't cry. You know, maybe it's just not in our DNA. Maybe it's just not in our makeup to be that emotional. Talks about uh, that one guy who tried to make the most sense was talking about how whatever causes mental health issues or mental health disturbances, you know, it comes down to the individual, whatever the individual might think that's toxic. Strutting your stuff. You're the cock of the walk. Peacock struts his stuff to attract a male. I mean, to attract a female. So the male peacock with all the feathers and everything in full bloom trying to attract a female. We're strutting our stuff. Physically imposing? I don't know. This is my favorite one. Constraints that are conducive to building bad relationships. Anything that puts men over women, it's a gray line. So again, those were the definitions from people in academia, Georgetown University, on the streets that were trying to define what toxic masculinity is and where you draw the line between normal male behavior and toxic male behavior. And prior to that, they had said that, uh, of course, toxic masculinity is something that we need to deal with. So then if we're dealing with toxic masculinity and we don't really know what the definition is, I mean, like I said, it could be pretty much anything to anybody. You ask those five, six, seven different people in that clip, they all had a different reason or a different definition or a different example of where crossing the line is. So what is a man? I guess we have to define that, don't we? And nowadays with this gender stuff going on, gender fluidity, uh, fluidity and uh, gender neutrality and all this stuff, People don't even know what things are anymore. Apparently, we don't know what a woman is. We heard that from a Supreme Court justice that was then followed up by a bunch of politicians saying that, uh, do you know what a woman is? We don't know what a woman is. We can't define what being a woman is. So all of a sudden, now we're starting to get started with pronouns. Now we're getting into gender specific. So if we don't know what a woman is and men are toxic, how can we have all these other things going on? Well, let's get back to the point. What is a man? Well, could this be? A definition or examples of what a man is? What is a man? Is a man brave? Is a man a hero? Is a man, is a man a protector? Is a man vulnerable? Is a man disposable? Is a man Broken. Is a man trying?
see the good in men. See, there's a key thinking or thought or mindset, as we like to call it on the show, looking for the good, not just in men, but in people. Because if you want to look for the bad in men, that's what it took. It took someone looking at the bad in men to create toxic masculinity instead of looking at the good. If you look at the good, you might find a man is brave. He might be a hero. Maybe he's a protector. Is he vulnerable? I guess it depends on what your definition of vulnerability is. Some people would say that if you're not crying and emotional, then you're not vulnerable. Are you disposable? Is a man disposable? Just get rid of? Move on to the next? Is he broken? Is a man trying? See, there's many definitions of what a man could be. But again, it comes down to the point that if you are looking for the bad in somebody, whether it be a person, a specific gender group, a specific cultural group, then you're going to find the bad in things. And then you can start to create this whole world around the bad in people. I mean, some of these traits, when you look at it, dominant. Remember, these are some of the things that the people on the street were saying that was toxic for men. Being dominant, physical imposing. There's a lot of dominant women, a lot of bodybuilding women, a lot of women that look really good. They've been in the gym. They've been working out. They're in the professional world, and they look really good. They can be imposing. They've got that dominant, good looks. They're dressed sharp. They're smart. They're intelligent. They're in the boardroom. That could be physically imposing. What about anything that puts a female over a man? I guess that's okay today. What about women behaving in a certain way? See, you can look at the negative in things, and you can create a whole problem like toxic masculinity. You can look at a race, whether it be white, black, brown, yellow, whatever color you want to call it in the Crayola cram box, sky blue, mint green, Lava red, doesn't matter. If you look in the bad, or if you look for the bad in something, you're going to find it. And I would have to call in the question, why are you always looking for something bad in people? Why is that? Would you not want to look for something good in people? I mean, we've got a whole lot of problems in this country, and a lot of it has to deal currently with crime. And there's a lot of district attorneys right now that are out there that aren't prosecuting crime. Los Angeles being one of them, and there's others, and people are getting out on bail when possibly they shouldn't be because of what they've done. And so you have this whole thing going on, and the DAs are looking at them in a different light. Now, maybe in some cases that's good. But in this case, probably not so much, right, because we're creating a greater problem. We're creating a greater problem by not looking at the bad in these criminals, It's the flip side. You can look at an abuser, someone who abuses a spouse, toxic masculinity right there, absolutely. But that's not toxic masculinity. That is a bad dude that should not be doing that because a man is a protector. If you're a real man, you're a protector, not an abuser. If you're a real man, you're trying. Yeah, that gal might go nuts. She might be bat crap crazy, but you're trying to make it work. You're trying to be there for her. You're trying to understand. 
That's what a man. There might be a time where it takes a man to walk away. Maybe that's the vulnerability. Maybe the vulnerability is being there when she's bat crap crazy. Maybe the vulnerability is having communication, just communication. Not to cry, not to be emotional. It's okay not to be that way. A lot of guys aren't that way. But you're a protector. Maybe you're a hero. Maybe not a hero in the sense of a hero to society, but maybe you're a father and you're a hero to your kids. Maybe you're a coach and you're a hero to your players. Maybe you're a teacher and you're a hero to your students. Maybe you're a hero husband and you're a hero to the wife. Maybe you're a son and you're a hero to the parents or to your siblings. You're a protector. You're protecting those same people that I just mentioned. You're trying. Whatever trying means, you're trying to be that man that people are looking up to you for. I mean, take a look at the actors that we used to think as men back in the day. Okay, remember we had this whole culture thing about uh, the woke culture, and we were canceling a lot of things? We were canceling Aunt Jemima, uh, pancake syrup. We were canceling uh, Uncle Ben's rice. We were canceling Eskimo pies. We were canceling uh, Mr. Potato Head. You know, we're canceling all these things. Pepe Le Pew. I mean, all these inanimate objects. That's basically just advertising and marketing schemes, even though the people behind it might be real, like Aunt Jemima. But again, you're just you're canceling these things, right? Well, in this day and age, if we were to cancel toxic masculinity, when you think of these masculine actors, you think of James Dean, Cary Grant, even Clint Eastwood in his 90s still doing his thing, maybe John Wayne and Marlon Brando, and you have this idea of a man Maybe a motorcycle, maybe a cigarette, although we've learned now that cigarettes are bad. But again, back then, that was a a sign of masculinity. And you've got this image of a tough guy not backing down. The tough guy going to stand his ground. Is that the image that has become toxic now? Did Marlon Brando cry in a streetcar named Desire? Was it Delilah? Clint Eastwood and some of the movies that he's made, did he show emotional vulnerability? He was going to give up his career in the line of fire for Rene Rousseau's character. Is that vulnerability or is he still toxic? Think of Cary Grant, John Wayne. Is those, are those guys considered toxic now? Or is that still a good example of what it is to be a man? And, of course, we're really talking about the images that they portrayed. The person, the actor himself might be something different. Well, what about professions? You know, one of the things you think about, firemen. Now, sure, women are starting to become more and more involved in these professions. But the role of firemen, still a lot male-dominated. I think of 9-11, all those guys rushing into the Twin Towers, losing their lives as the towers fall as they're rushing to try to help other people. And not to start a gender war, but let's just take a look at the facts. Men rushing into a burning building trying to rescue women and other men that didn't have the ability to save themselves. And yet they lost their lives. How many lives did they save? That's brave. That's hero. That's protector. 
That's being vulnerable, setting yourself up into a situation that might cost you your life. Disposable, broken. A lot of those guys came out that did survive, injured, sick, dealing with lifelong medical conditions, but they were trying. Is a fireman a definition of a man? Were they doing what is good? Absolutely. What about soldiers in the battlefield? Women still, I don't believe, can hit the front lines. Sure, there's a lot of military soldiers that are women doing things. But when you're on the front line battling, I don't think women are allowed to be out there yet unless things have changed recently. And so, again, you've got men on the front line fighting these battles. What about construction crews? You know, springtime is coming. A lot of places, it's probably already there. But if you're in the upper Midwest, I think Easter just dumped a bunch of snow on you. But the construction season is coming out on the roads as you're driving through these construction zones, the cone zones, as they call them. A lot of men out there working, slaving in the sun, building these roads so you and I can drive on safe conditions. What about the infrastructure that's being built in the cities? And we'll get more to this in a little bit because I have a clip that I want to play. But you got these construction crews out there. What about sanitation crews? Plumbing. More women starting to get into the plumbing. The profession of plumbing. But still, I've had to have some plumbers come into my place and it's been all men. It's just a fact. It's the unsung hero of the blue-collar worker that's coming out and doing things. What about farming? No one thinks about farming. But across the country, sure, there's a lot of farmers' wives and people like that that are in support roles. But the, the farmer and the tractor, a lot of times that's a male's a male-dominant job. But see, what you're missing out on, and one more, truck driving. Sure, there's more and more women getting at truck driving, but during the pandemic, truck drivers were the heroes. Then apparently became the villains with these convoys, so again, that explains a lot about society. One time, they're the heroes delivering goods to market. The next time, they're the ones that are uh, the bad guys. And pilots, pilots are still a male-dominated thing. And so we take a look at the working function of the world, and these are all professions where you have that masculine or traits of toxic masculinity in them, I'm sure. I'm sure you've got people that are very physically imposing because of the jobs that they do. I'm sure you've got people that are dominant in attitude. You have to be in these professions, right? These are professions that are male-dominated, so of course it's anything that puts men over women. Going back to some of these excuses or these definitions or these problem traits, that the man in the street clip gave us. Guys behaving in a certain way. You know there's a camaraderie amongst these men, whatever it might be, in the foxhole, on the front lines. You know things are going to be a certain way. Men relying on each other to be a certain way. So when you take a look at actors, professions, what about entrepreneurs? Think about the things that we use today. You know, Steve Jobs and all the iPhone stuff and Apple stuff that we do. Bill Gates, even though he's gotten nutty. Elon Musk, apparently he's the bad guy now, but again, he was revolutionary in the electric vehicles that California is demanding that you have by 2035. But he's a bad guy for buying Twitter, but he's a good guy because he's 
and electric vehicles. How confusing is that? Jeff Bezos, Warren Buffett, Sam Walton. Now, sure, there's a lot of women that have inherited, like Sam Walton's kids, his daughters, and his nieces have inherited uh, the Walton or the Sam's Club or the Walmart you know, empire. But a lot of these men, are they toxic for what they've done? And again, you look and you read what they've done. They were cutthroat. You're not telling me the computer business was cutthroat? Absolutely was cutthroat. So you know these guys were dominant in their thinking and their mentality and savvy in what they did. What about movie producers, directors? You think of Steven Spielberg, George Lucas, Martin Scorsese, Alfred Hitchcock, Francis Ford Coppola. The movies they made. The images that we see are those toxic masculinity issues in the movies. But that's what we have. We have a foundation in which men are brave. They're heroic. They're protectors of people, protectors of society, protectors of the freedoms that we have so that you can sit there and bitch about toxic masculinity. They are vulnerable. I don't like to use the word disposable, but there's a lot of men recently that have lost their lives over the last, think about the last 20 years. How many guys, soldiers have lost their lives fighting in a foreign war or 9-11 or whatever the case may be? Broken. Soldiers coming back from war, not whole again. Homeless. Drug addicts. You know, a lot of homeless people, we don't think about it too much, but a majority of homeless people are guys, drug addicts, guys. Now, I'm not saying that we are saying that women don't suffer these things. We're looking just at toxic masculinity. You got to keep in mind that this is a narrow scoped conversation that we're having on toxic masculinity. People sometimes don't understand. They get all, you have an argument. Like when I was talking about the, the hair loss at the beginning, you know, I'm someone that can't grow hair. So I should be able to talk about hair loss because it affects me directly. But yet people with a full head of hair were telling me that I don't know what it's like to be in Jada Pinkett Smith's shoes. Well, I don't, but she's better off than I am. She has a lot more money than I do. She has a lot more opportunity and availability and resources to deal with her hair loss than I do. I throw a cap on. I look for the sales online. If I see a sale online and a hat I like, I got to buy it because I got to protect my head. But that's where we're at. We're talking about, oh, so the conversation went and then it started to bounce around to different things that had nothing to do with hair loss. I'm like, hey, let's keep the scope of the conversation on point. And so we talk about these things. Yeah, there's a lot of great actresses out there. A lot of great women in these professions that are male-dominated, that are heroes. A lot of entrepreneurs out there, a lot of women doing things, great things, especially in the world of social media. You see a lot of these uh, women put out these empires that are being done on social media, which is a new untapped resource. You think about the in and out Lindsay Snyder and even the Waltons and some of these people that have inherited and continue the legacy of their parents. Absolutely, those things are there. And movie directors and, and things like that, musicians and stuff. So, yeah, there's a lot of great women doing a lot of great things out there. But we're talking about toxic masculinity. we got to keep it on point. 
Jordan Peterson is a well-renowned psychologist, and so he had some comments to say that kind of back up what I've been saying about toxic masculinity and what would this world be like without men. It's not okay. It's necessary. What the hell are we going to do without men? You look around the city here, you see all these buildings go up. These men, they're doing impossible things. They're under the streets, working on the sewers. They're up on the power lines in the storms and the, and the rain. They're keeping this impossible infrastructure functioning. This thing that works in a miraculous manner. They work themselves to death. And often literally. And, and the... the um, the gratitude for that is sorely lacking, especially among the people who should be most grateful. You see university professors, especially of the social justice bent, who are among the most protected and privileged people that the world has ever produced. They take everything they have for granted, failing to understand entirely that there's a massive infrastructure of unbelievably hardworking, solidly laboring, working class men breaking themselves in half on a regular basis making sure that everything that always breaks works. And so a little gratitude for that is in order. And it's very useful to tell everyone, not just men, that they have an important role to play, a necessary role, and that if they act properly and honestly and forthrightly, that they can put their lives together and they can help their families and they can make their communities better and that that's not toxic masculinity that appalling phrase it's what keeps the world going round he talks about masculinity keeping the world going around you think about the building infrastructures like we talked about another thing that came to mind was you know when these storms come through in the Midwest, we're getting to uh, storm season with tornadoes. I think the summer months bring the hurricanes to the Gulf Coast area. And you think about the, the men that go out there and rebuild the power lines after the storm's gone down to bring power back to the people. It's a male-dominated job. So where would we be without men? Again, that's a rhetorical question because we all know. But again... A lot of people would like to question that. And I think he hit the nail on the head when he talks about academia. Academia has become a cesspool of people that are just throwing out and spewing out toxic things, creating things. They have nothing more to do with their time than to create these things that gets everybody else spun up. So you come up with an idea, you throw it out on Twitter, it spreads like wildfire, and all, every, all of a sudden everybody's like up in arms about something they didn't care about two minutes ago. We've seen that all along. We saw that with... LGBTQ and trans people things, ideology. We saw it with bathrooms. We've seen it with COVID. We've seen it with social justice things. People put something out there. Two minutes ago, two minutes ago, you didn't care about hair loss, and now all of a sudden everybody's an expert on hair loss because Jada Pinkett Smith has Propecia. And somebody threw that on Twitter, and now everybody is an expert on it. You didn't care about it two minutes ago. If you've never seen G.I. Jane with Demi Moore, that was the whole point of the joke. So maybe you should get some context. But people throw it out there, and then all of a sudden we have, ooh, men are bad. 
even though men are out there working themselves to death. The flip side of it is you look at, again, we go back to looking at the bad in men. Okay. So we don't have a uterus. So man doesn't have a say in abortion. So the woman decides to get an abortion, despite the fact that the father wants it, doesn't have a choice. But the flip side of that, the hypocrisy of that, the woman wants to keep it. The dad wants to check out. Now he's a deadbeat. Why is that? See, there is no, there is no forethought into the common sense and logic of some of these arguments. Toxic masculinity is, well, if you're dominant, if you're physically imposing, you don't cry, whatever puts you above a man, okay, that's all bad, but then you're in a relationship and there's a spider on the wall, who are you calling to kill that spider? The logical thought isn't there. The rationale isn't there. We like to look at things on this show through common sense, logic, and reason. We like to throw out as much as we can the emotional side of it because when you go from or you deal with something from an emotional side, rationale leaves. There's a time and a place for emotion. There's a time and a place for rationale, common sense, and logic. And most of the time, common uh, logic, common sense, and rationale should be the first place we go. But you talk about the social justice academia being ungrateful. They're being ungrateful, yet they're walking the halls of buildings that the men who built them, they're now calling toxic. Think about that. They're using the very facilities that guys that they're now calling toxic built for them. And they're ungrateful. They lack gratitude. People who take things for granted lack gratitude. So instead of, like we talked about earlier, looking in the bad in people, toxic masculinity is focusing on the bad in people instead of the good. Now we're looking at a lack of gratitude instead of just having gratitude, being thankful that there's people out there that have these traits that will go out and do these jobs that keep the world going that go out there and do things that are heroic, that are brave, that are protecting us from other things, that are trying, getting up every day, going out there and battling life to try to make it better for other people. Look for the good in that, and you might have a different perspective. Now, the key with men, and again, when you look at the positive side of things, you got to act honestly and properly. I mean, that just goes, again, common sense. If you want to be a good person, let alone being a good man, you got to be honest and you got to act properly, whatever that might be, because masculinity does make the world go round. But see, a lot of people like to make it a competition between men and women, men versus women, and yet they don't realize that together forming a team, you get a lot further, you accomplish a lot more, things are a lot better. You can overcome a whole lot more. So, yes, the guy is out there building the buildings. The guy is out there on the front lines. The guy is running into the tower that's about to fall down. But yet, you look behind the scenes, especially in military, there's a lot of women in support, support roles. A lot of women in support roles when it comes to these male-dominated professions trying to get things going. They used to be 
secretaries and they became assistants and now they're administrative assistants, whatever title you want to call them. They're there doing an important role, an important function. That as a team now you look at it and you start to realize that as a team, this team is coming together and doing things. This team is now becoming successful. This team is now doing great things. And so others that benefit from the work from this team, regardless of gender, can now show gratitude and be thankful for the outcome of their efforts. You got to be honest. You got to work properly. So when you look at the toxic masculinity traits, you're not looking at traits that are just specific to men. You're looking at traits that are problematic in mankind, regardless of gender. So one thing that people like to do is uh, make men more like women. Here's Ali Stuckey. Rape, murder, war. They all have one thing in common. Men. Aggression, violence, ambition unchecked by conscience. All the stuff of toxic masculinity, right? And the solution is obvious. Make men less toxic. Make men less masculine. Make men more like women. But I'm here to tell you that that way of thinking is not only wrong, it's dangerous. Here's why. When you try to make men more like women, you don't get less toxic masculinity. You get more. Why? Because bad men don't become good when they stop being men. They become good when they stop being bad. Aggression, violence, and unbridled ambition can't be eliminated from the male psyche. They can only be harnessed. And when they are harnessed, they are tools for good, not for harm. The same masculine traits that bring destruction also defeat tyranny. The traits that foster greed also build economies. The traits that drive men to take foolish risks also drive men to take heroic risks. The answer to toxic masculinity isn't less masculinity. It's better masculinity. And we know what that looks like. It's a young man opening the door for a girl on their first date. It's a father working long hours to provide for his family. It's a soldier risking his life to defend his country. The growing problem in today's society isn't that men are too masculine. It's that they're not masculine enough. When men embrace their masculinity in a way that is healthy and productive, they are leaders, warriors, and heroes. When they deny their masculinity, they run away from responsibilities, leaving destruction and despair in their wake. The consequences can be seen everywhere. One in four fathers now lives apart from his children, and children who grew up without a dad are generally more depressed than their peers who have a mother and a father. They are at far greater risk for incarceration, teen pregnancy, and poverty. 71% of high school dropouts are fatherless. See, men don't become good by becoming less manly. Men become good by becoming good. So if you're a bad man, becoming less male or less masculine, you're not going to get good all of a sudden. You have to change your attitude, change a lot of things to become good. But the masculine traits that are out there are there for a reason. We were designed, we were created with these traits, just like women were created with their traits. You know, you think about some of the things that are being focused on these days. You know, you've got people that want to block 
the development, the growth of men. Is it no wonder that we have toxic masculinity out there running around? And then these same people now are pushing to keep boys from becoming men? Why is that? Why is there an assault on young boys these days with this trans ideology? It goes deeper than what people think. They're trying to create an environment that's soft, trying to do away with this toxic masculinity because they realize that guys have traits for a reason, and those traits don't make them good or bad. It's what you do with them that makes them good or bad. Don't becoming good by becoming less of a man. Opening doors. See, one of the things that used to happen, chivalry. Now, I've never done a poll, but I look, whether it's through social media, gives me a litmus test, an idea of what society is thinking out in the public world. Watch, observe, keep an eye on. And you realize that there are a lot of women out there that still prefer men opening doors for them still prefer what we call chivalry, okay? You're opening the door for them. Maybe you get their seat for them, whatever it is. You order for them. Maybe you go and get things for them, okay? There's a lot of women out there that at one point in time, in an effort to become more equal, women empowerment, they wanted to do away with that. Here's a perfect example, and this is a true story, okay? I was uh, at a place, actually it was Arnold's Park in Iowa, up near uh, Lake Okaboji, if you're familiar with that area. And I'm walking into a bookstore. I go to open the door for somebody, let them in. She looks at me and says, I can get my own door. I don't need you to get it for me. And walks into the store. My instinct was to slam the door on her and say, okay, you get it, but obviously I didn't do that. So again, I'm trying to do a nice thing, and I get rebuffed. Okay, no big deal. I shake it off, move on, because I don't care. I had to go in the store anyways. So now I'm in the store. Moments later, I'm looking at a book. Lady next to me happens to drop a book off the shelf. Well, coming off my experience that I just had, I decide, yeah, I'm not going to do anything. Let's see what happens. Okay? I thought this would be a learning moment or a learning moment to society. So I wait, and she waits, and I wait, and she waits, and she bends down and picks up the book, up in the glance at her. She looks at me, and she says, a real man would have picked that up for me. So I replied, well, a klutz wouldn't have dropped it. No, just kidding. But she looked at me like I was supposed to pick it up. So here, in a span of a few moments, two different things happen. Okay. Now, naturally, I would normally pick up the book, and that's fine. But again, now there's, you're talking about you know invading somebody's space because we're at her feet. She might think I have a foot fetish or something, go freaky. I don't know. Got to protect yourself in these days and age, in this day and age. But again, two different things. Okay, so what is it? Am I opening the door for you, picking up your book, or are you doing it on your own? There's some mixed signals going on. And so when we sit there and we're trying to be chivalrous, We're trying to do these things, which I think women like and prefer. And you can let me know. You can drop me an email, TWO, two steps head podcast at gmail.com, and let me know what you think. But I think women still like that and prefer that. There's been times where I've opened the door for somebody. In fact, I opened the door for someone, and 
helped her in, closed the door, and somebody else just walking by on the street, another lady mentioned to the fact that she wished more people would do that. She hadn't seen that done in a long time. Guys will just walk out from wherever. Lady gets in her side, guy gets in her side, and they go on. So, again, I think there's a lot of people out there that, A, never experienced it, so they don't expect it, and, B, they still want it. And yet they tolerate men not being chivalrous anymore. So, guys, we need to step up and be chivalrous because chivalrous is a good form of masculinity. But when we sit there and we look at these things, we got to realize that without this masculine trait, without men being men, the good kind of man, you've got kids heading off to prison. You've got a rise in pregnancies and dropouts. You've got depression, things we've talked about on the show before. You know, a lot of different things are root causes of all these other issues. And masculinity can be good, it can be bad, depends on how you use it, but toxic masculinity isn't a thing when you look at masculinity in general. It's men being good or bad based on the fact that they're good or bad, not based on the fact that they're less masculine or not. So what about society? What does society say to men these days? Here is Helly Shaw. Five things we hear growing up. Five things society says to men who try to grow up. One, men don't cry because women have monopoly over the tears because emotions are just another cover-up for weakness. Well, guess what? When Kevin failed in fifth grade, he didn't cry. When Kevin's mother left him, he didn't cry. When Kevin's girlfriend died, he didn't cry. When Kevin committed suicide, he wondered who would cry. All men are dogs. They are animals. Praying, looking for their next target, the next woman to lie, cheat, harass or betray. Well, certainly. Because one man or two or 20 lakh men is all it takes to define an entire freaking gender. Because the loyalty, faithfulness and everything wonderful that a man's best friend is, is shoved under the carpet because that one dog couldn't stop humping. Three. Be a man. Said the father who was never there said the alcoholic uncle who couldn't stop staring at the blouse of his neighbor's daughter. Be a man. What an ideal to set for a 13-year-old boy who's shaving his non-existent mustache, who's experimenting with the protruding parts of his body, who's so awkward being around the members of the opposite sex, who's struggling to be a teenager in the first place. Four. Real men finish last. Ah, because at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Your ability to stop your ability from doing its job. So hold it. Hold it tight. Masculinity is a word. Humanity is another. So are love, care and compassion. So maybe a few, dear society, get over what the first one means to you. You'll see what the next few mean to the rest of us. Five. Men will be men. I say they should be. A man should be a man when he sheds his first tear, when he cries his eyes out. A man should be a man and not a dog or a pig or any other animal you could possibly generalize. A man should be a man when his father comes home drunk and raises his hand. A man should be a man when his daughter brings home a boy. A man should be a man when he's in bed with the woman he loves, cherishes and appreciates. A man should be a man. And before everything else, a man is a human too. So you think about that. When you think about toxic masculinity, what are you wanting changed? What do you want to see different? Do you still want that 
man to love and protect, to provide, to work long hours so there's a roof over your head, food on the table for you and your kids? Do you want someone that's going to protect you? Stand up. Or do you want someone to be weak? Someone who's going to shy away from trouble, make you deal with the problems on your own. So when you say toxic masculinity, what do you want changed? And here's one thing that may be controversial, but I'm going to say it anyways. From my perspective, women, you set the standard for men. Women, you set the standard for men. What do I mean by that? We are designed to want to impress you. We want to do whatever it is that you want from us. And what I mean by that is, if you want us to be masculine, if you want us to be chivalrous, if you want us to treat you right, if, we want, if you want us to treat your kids right, whatever it is, that's what we want to do innately, is to be that for you. If you don't want us to do those things, and you want us to mistreat you, abuse you, not take care of you, treat you wrong, not open the doors for you. You set the standard for that. If you want someone to open the door for you, be chivalrous. Let them know that. Because unfortunately, guys today aren't being taught these things because men out there aren't sharing because of this whole thing that's going on with men being men. Now, a lot of guys out there are doing things to raise up the next generation of men to be men, but a lot aren't. They're relying on the woman to do it all. When men should step up, men should do it. If you don't want me to open the door for you, but yet you want me to pick up the book, which is it? Do I just do whatever I want, open the door for you and have you yell at me for opening the door? pick up or not pick up the book and deal with the consequences? Or are you going to dictate to us what we should do and get that message clear? You don't want to be sex symbols. You don't want to be fantasized about, mistreated. Then why are you on social media flaunting the goods? If you don't want to be sexualized and sexual beings, you want to be respected for your brain. You want to be respected for your abilities. But yet you're out there doing other things. You set the standard. Guys, you should step up, and you should do better. So it takes a team effort. So we look for the good in people. We look for the humanity in people. So what is a man when we take a look at it? When you take a look at some of these things, when you talk about the toxic masculinity traits, you know, they say that some of these traits are things that are oppressive, not emotionally available, misogynistic, sexist, transphobic, homophobic, insensitive, aggression, mental and physical toughness, self-sufficient. These are some of those traits that I got off the internet from different sources that basically summed up what they thought traits were of of toxic masculinity. Man up, toxic. Boys will be boys. Toxic. That's what girls do, not boys. Toxic. In order to fix this, they want us to speak out, tell boys to express their emotions, call out toxic thinking, be vulnerable, 
do nice gestures. It's a revolution. But you know what it comes down to? It comes down to a good man using the traits and personalities that he was created with in a good way, being honest and respectable. That's what it comes down to. Be honest and respectable with the traits that you've been given, and you're just a man. You have masculinity. You're brave. You're a hero. You're a protector. Yeah, you may be broken. You might be trying, but that's the good in you coming out, and you're making an effort. So in order to be good, you have to do the good. Be the goodness that's in you. Raise the standard. Bring out your inner greatness. Inspire and motivate others to do the same so that it does become a revolution, but not in the way that people of today want it to be. Because masculinity is important. The world evolves around it. And women, you have to think of it as a, no, it's not a competition between the sexes. It's not a battle of the sexes. We merge together. And we form a team. And as a team, we move forward. And we're able then to conquer the things that go on in this world. This is Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion. Make it happen. Let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom. Hey, go to RadioWarp.com. That's Radio W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com. And you can click on the Two Steps Ahead podcast icon and you can listen to all the different shows that we have on there you can uh, download the soundcloud version the audio version or you can watch the the video version via youtube you can subscribe to our youtube and soundcloud accounts and never miss an episode and like i said take it with you on the go uh radio warp you can listen to episodes on the show uh, live during the week or on demand so to speak there's also uh, a listen live tab where you can listen to some cool music some uh new releases and pop music and some other things that are going on there. So it's a great source of wholesome entertainment for you and the family. A lot of uh, top artists are played there as well. You can find me on Instagram at uh, my personal page, Edom Rocks, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S. You can also find the show page, T-W-O, Two Steps Ahead Podcast on Instagram. On both pages, there's a link in the bio. We'll take you to several different things, RadioWarp.com, our YouTube, our SoundCloud, our Swag Shop, where you can find cool merchandise. Get yourself ready for the summer. A lot of Two Steps Ahead podcast stuff on there. And then um, all you have to do, we're everywhere you listen to podcasts. So wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's Spotify, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, iHeartMedia, whatever your favorite podcast platform is, we are on there. Or you can just do an internet search of TWO, Two Steps Ahead podcast. Or my favorite, just say whether it's Surrey, Google, Alexa, just say, hey, Play Two Steps Ahead, TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast, and we pop up. Join us every uh, Tuesday night for a live version, 8 p.m. Pacific. We replay it later that night at 10 p.m. Pacific for Unite Owls. And then, like I said, it plays throughout the week on RadioWarp.com. Also on demand there as well. Take your passion. Make it happen. Let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom. Hey, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.